Welcome back to another episode of Am I Doing This Right? I'm Corinne Fox. And I'm Natalie McMillan. And we are best friends, confidants, millennials, and the hosts of Am I Doing This Right? A life how-to podcast from the perspective of non-experts. And each week we cover a new topic and we drink a new bottle of wine. And welcome to 2022, folks. (gasps) We love it here. We love it here. (laughs) We're going to be talking today how to set financial goals and build wealth in 2022. And you know, we got an expert financial coach, Chloe Elise. She's deeper than money. Yes. I'm very excited. Oh my God. I'm so excited. I mean, it's a new year. It's like you want a fresh start. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, you want to like take a little peek at the finance. Where are we at? What do we want to do? Yep. Yep. And we're going to be talking with Chloe about how to change our mindsets around money, how to set financial goals for this new year, and how to set ourselves up for making the most cash money we've ever, we ever have. Yes. I believe that for us. I really do. Oh my God. I totally believe that. And then at the end of the episode, we're going to play... Recent obsessions. Recent We're going to be talking about our recent obsessions yeah. uh, going into the new year. Mm-hmm. Let's first drink our first glass of wine for 2022. For 2022. What are we drinking? All right. Let's see. This is Casa Castillo El Molar 2018. That um, was so impressive. It's apparently from Spain. Type of wine is this? I don't know. It's just red. It says, I don't know if this is Humilla. J-U-M-I-L-L-A. Wouldn't that be Humia? Oh, I you know I speak French. Oh. Well, I technically speak French, but I don't know any of it. <laughs> <laughs> I've never taken a Spanish class in my life. Um, oh, you're really good at pronouncing. Oh, thank you. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what this is, but I do know it's from Spain, and it's red. And I love it. Let's cheers to Let's a new cheer. year. <laughs> Hello, am I? Interessant. Hmm. Interessant. Hmm. You know, I say that instead of saying interesting. Yes, that's your French. <laughs> oh, yes, because we've we 2021 was the year of interesting. Hmm. Interesting. interesting. <laughs> so now we're we've we've uh, judged it out. Yeah, and in terms of some housekeeping, you guys, it's a new year, and we have a fun, cutie little newsletter that you guys can mm-hmm. sign up for. So you guys don't miss an episode this year. You can go to amidoingthisrightpod.com to sign up. We will never, ever, I would never spam you. Spam. No. I would never, never do that to you. We will never do that. But it's so fun. And then you yeah. can stay in the loop on all the fun episodes we have coming up, which mm-hmm. are very exciting. Yes. Uh, we also, you know, we love the random advice. We love giving. Oh yeah, we love giving random advice. So we we're still doing that. And if you want to send us in your questions, anonymous, of course, always anonymous. You can DM us at Am I Doing This Right Pod on Instagram. You can email us Am I Doing This Right Pod at gmail and we would love to help you out. We would absolutely love it. But not. let's get into the episode because it's a new year and it's time for us to start figuring out where we want to go. Where do we want to be December 2022? And I feel like a lot of people are also similarly in the same boat as us. It's like it's a new year. You set resolutions or you start, you know, thinking, okay, like what I want to – where I want to be. And so this is like the perfect back – not back to school – it feels top it of the feels year. like back to school. It feels like it's fresh start. Yeah. Yeah. Fresh new pair of kicks. Exactly. So let's intro Chloe before we bring her on. Yeah. So she is the CEO and founder of Deeper Than Money, which is a company dedicated to empowering and educating people about 
money. And she watched her own life transform after paying off $36,000 of debt in 18 months. That's insane. And becoming debt-free at 22 years old, which is crazy to me. And seeing the lifelong impact that getting her finances together would have, Chloe became a certified financial coach to show others how to experience that same freedom. That's really what money is. It's freedom. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And she went on to save and invest over $400,000 by the time she was 25 and grew deeper to money to a multiple six figures within the first year. She is a master yes. of money. Yes. Having mastered her personal and business finances, she spends her days passionately helping people build real wealth without giving up the things they love. Yes. And I followed <laughs> Chloe on Instagram for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I love the content she puts out. And it's so relatable. And, you know, it's targeted towards women, but it's really applicable to anybody. Mm-hmm. And I just always applaud someone who's trying to expand financial literacy because I think for so long, especially for women, it was for the elite and it yeah. was for the wealthy and this information was yes under wraps yes for women and then also geographically yeah like in the united states there's definitely pockets like in new york i'm sure there they might be a little more educating people over there but the middle of the country i think a lot of people are just like what is happening i agree you know what i mean and so that's why what chloe is is bringing it to everybody and yes. we love that yes so let's bring on chloe Hello, Chloe. Hey, Chloe. Oh, my goodness. What is up? Thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We're so excited to have you. We were just saying, like, we we consider ourselves non-experts in personal finance, and you are the exact opposite of that. You are a financial coach. Yes. And you really help all your clients build wealth in their own lives. And so I'm curious because we kind of fell into personal finance by necessity. We just got older. and We were like, we don't know anything about anything. So we have to teach ourselves this. So I'm curious if that's how you became interested in personal finance or or how did you first start learning about it? Were you like an accounting major or <laughs> you're like, definitely not. So I was your absolute like most typical like Midwest hardworking girl and I grew up in Iowa in a small town. And I knew two things about money growing up. Like I was taught two things. The first thing was you don't talk about it. Like yep. you do not talk about it. It is private. It's none of your business. Like mm-hmm. don't, don't ask any, any questions. And the second thing is that you had to work really, really hard just to get by. Those were like the only two things I re- I can really remember being taught growing up about money. And so I had my first job when I was 14 making money and then I would work more hours to get more money, but I still I didn't even know what to do with it. I didn't even have like a debit card until I went to college. And then when I had a debit card, it was just kind of like this like fancy magic card where I would just use it until it declined. And then I'd be like, oops, okay, I need to work more. And then I'd pick up more hours. And so Mm -hmm. I had no idea what was going on. I went to college. I took out debt. I had no idea how much. I just thought everyone had debt. So I was like, I don't want to think about that right now. I'll deal with it later. I just thought everyone like paid off debt, paid off student loans their whole life. So I was like, "Eh, okay, whatever it is. I don't care. I don't want to know. And then went to college. I was like a junior in college and I was just having like meltdown after meltdown because I was missing out on so much fun stuff with my friends in order to work to make money when I felt like I never had money. So I was like, what is the point of this? I 
I felt like no matter how much I worked, I would just like blow it on something that didn't even matter to me. And then I'd have nothing. And then I'd miss out. And it was just this endless cycle. And so I end up, I was going through a breakup and you know, like you go through a breakup and you're like, I want to like cut my hair and like do all these things. Right. (laughs) Yes. I want to feel control. And so for me, the, the weird thing that I grasped onto was finances. I was like, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to fix this one thing. And I just started, I went to the library and was like checking out these books that were like finance 101. And I was reading these finance books and I was like, what the, like, what is this? I don't even, I don't even know what they're saying. It was so boring. It was so confusing. I was an economics major. So I took banking classes. I took finance classes but they were so boring and none of it applied to me. I'm like, I don't need to know how to refinance a mortgage today. I need to know how to, like, when I go out with my friends, I'm not ordering $90 of pizza when I come home at 2 a.m., right? Like that's what I needed to figure out. And so I went on this journey myself of trying to listen to these other people, but not, not knowing like what applied to me. And I just tried and failed and tried and failed until I found how to do it in a way that makes sense for someone who's in their twenties and who's just wanting to prioritize these other things than what somebody maybe at 50 years old is trying to prioritize. And so I went on to pay off like $36,000 of debt in 18 months and it changed everything for me. I mean, I was the girl who literally I would be buying groceries. My card would decline and I would say, Oh, I left my other card in the car. And then I would just drive away. Like that was me. That was me. And then I, you know, went from there to paying off this debt and when I was able to do that and kind of change my identity around money of like, oh, I went from being the broke girl to the girl who could do this. I was like, what else can I accomplish? What else can I do with money? Um, and so that's really where my my passion for it changed. Um, and then also just my excitement of like, if I could do this, I can show other people how to do this too. And, and how empowering for other people too, right? So that's kind of, that's a little bit about my journey, how I got how I got here. I love it. And I love how you took something like a breakup. And you're right. Like when you go through a breakup, you want to reinvent yourself. You want to get the haircut. You want to, you know, do something big and radical. And you saw this problem in your life. You're like, okay, well, I have the time. I have, you know, the motivation to look at it. And you built this incredible night, a huge brand, all deeper than money, which is, you know, all about personal finance. And you also make it fun and accessible. And that's something I think, I don't know if it's like with age that happens that it becomes more fun because it becomes more like applicable to you. But like, I think for us, like we're starting to be like, this is actually interesting. Mm -hmm. But I do think it's because people like you have made it more targeted towards women and like what we actually care about. And it's not these like ancient textbooks we have to like dig through anymore. (laughs) Right. It's like so much more accessible. Yeah. And talk about a post breakup glow up. I mean, it's really paying off all your debt. (laughs) That's kind of like the biggest thing you could do. Be like, look at me. Right. (laughs) Well, you also we found out you also saved like four hundred thousand dollars by the time you were 25. So we're curious, what were some of these like major shifts you made in your life and in your mindset that got you from driving away from the grocery store to kind of bawling out. (laughs) For sure, for sure. One of the biggest things was understanding my priorities and then not letting other people shame me into having those priorities or into having other priorities. One of the biggest reasons and things I get so fired up in the financial industry is that there's so much shame 
around it. It's like, oh, that's how you're spending your money. Oh, you're renting. Well, you're wasting money. Oh, well, you're doing this. Oh, well, you shouldn't spend your money on that. Oh, you bought that first. How much was it? You could like, there's just so much judgment and so much shame. And so in the beginning, when I was trying to get ahead with money, all of these like top financial gurus were like, you should not see the inside of a restaurant if you have debt. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm 20 and in my senior year of college, but I guess I should just not go to a restaurant because I have student loans. Like it, it just, it, to me, it was just like so crazy. And so I just kept thinking like, oh, I, I would either skip it and then I'd feel bad because I'd miss out on a memory or I'd go and then I'd feel guilty. And I'm like, why am I listening to someone else's priorities of like, you know, most of the financial gurus at that point were like six-year-old white men. I'm like, why am I listening to these six-year-old white men who have completely different priorities than me? Tell me what I need to do with my money. Like that's so wild. And so that was number one was like understanding I have different priorities than someone else. Like I'm in my twenties. My top priority is like living my life and traveling (laughs) with my friends. And so is my, like, is what I set aside to spend on like going out and getting drinks with my friends higher than probably maybe mine will be in five years. Sure. But who cares? It's a priority of mine. I'm investing in that time. I'm investing in those memories. And like, that's where I want to spend my money. So number one, the biggest thing was understanding my priorities and then dropping the shame of other people's judgment for me to spend my money how I want to. That was that was number 1 because once I did that, you're able to drop the the a lot of the cycles that you're stuck in. So for me, I was stuck in the cycle of like, oh, someone else told me I shouldn't go to a restaurant. So I I shouldn't, I shouldn't, I shouldn't and then I, you know, sacrifice, 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 discipline, discipline and then I get to a point where I'm like, screw it, I'm going. I'm not going to miss out on this. So then I go and because I'm like you know, like (laughs) I haven't been able to spend. And now I am, I go crazy and I spend way more than I want to. Then I come home. I feel guilty. I'm like, Oh, why did I do that? I'm so mad at myself. I shouldn't go anymore. And then it's this endless cycle until like, it's a bubble and then it bursts and I'm like, screw it. I'm going to do it. And then it, you know, goes back to the top. And so allowing yourself to say, no, it's okay that I spend my money in alignment with my priorities. It takes away that like bubble from bursting because you're allowed to spend money and you're allowed to do these things. So that, that those are like two of the biggest things. Um, and then from a financial perspective, actually I have one more thing that's like, yes, go for it. I like to call it like deeper than money, right? Because it's like, these things aren't like, here's how to open a Roth IRA. It's like, these are the things that are deeper than money that you have to think about in, in, and then add it to financial literacy. So the, the other thing I would say is I stopped viewing myself as the broke girl, even when I was like getting hit with an overdraft fee constantly. Mm. <laughs> like I was like calling the bank, like, hello, can I get that waived again? Thank you. Sorry. It was an accident again, but I stopped viewing myself because at that time I would be like, oh my God, I'm so broke all the time. Oh my God. I have no money. Oh my God. I'm so dumb. I, I don't know numbers. That's like how I talked about myself. And mm-hmm it was reinforcing those beliefs of like, I am bad with money. Well, if I'm bad with money, why would I pay attention to my finances? Why would I try to figure this out? I'm probably too dumb. I can't figure it out. And so it was really holding me back. Right. And holding myself back subconsciously. And so I really started viewing myself as like, and it's hard to shift overnight. So like the biggest thing I recommend is instead of saying, going from like, I'm the broke girl to be like, I'm just so wealthy. Right. Cause it's like, your brain is like, no, I'm not. Right? <laughs> I'm not. Right. I would just start to ask myself, like, what if I could be 
a girl who builds wealth? What if I could be the girl who knows about how to invest? What if I could be the girl who does this? And I just started like imagining what would that look like? What would my life look like? Who, who would I have to step into? Who would I have to grow into? What, what would I have to believe? I mean, I, so I questioned that a lot. So that was definitely the other thing I wanted to add. And then from just a like strategy of like things that I did, I really made a list of like, these are my top priorities, like taking care of my debt, creating an emergency fund. So if anything came up, it it wouldn't put me back into debt. And then also just really taking risks and really investing heavily and investing early and not being afraid to really ask questions. Uh, That's one of the biggest things that I see my clients struggling with is they're at the bank or they're, you know, with their friends or they're at brunch with their girlfriends, wherever. and, And somebody says something and they're like, Oh, I have no idea what she's talking about. So I'm going to sound like an idiot. So I'm not even going to ask. Yeah. yeah. And then we don't ask. And because we don't ask and we don't get an answer and because we don't get an answer, then it, you know, and so it, it, it stifles us so much. Um, and so that's one of the other big things is I got really comfortable being like, wait, what do you mean by that? Wait, yeah. can you explain that to me? Wait, so what, what exactly do you, do you, do you do with that? And, and I started learning these things. Then I'd come home and I'd research it myself and then, and then make my own decision. So that was another big one. That's like why we did this podcast, because we would wonder the same things. We're like, you know what? We have questions that we know other people have and nobody's asking them. And I wonder how much of that, too, plays into being like a woman and you want to be perceived as you don't want to be perceived as quote dumb. Unquote, dumb or like we don't know things. Even if we really just genuinely don't know things, it doesn't mean we're dumb. It just means we haven't been exposed to that information. And so like I feel like when I hold myself back from asking questions, it's because of that. And this was a different context, but I was working with a writer on a project that I'm doing and she asked me a question about the process of producing something. And I said, thank you for asking a question because I was too afraid to do that. And like, I was just trying to like empower her because asking questions, it it gives you knowledge. Yeah. And it gave you so much knowledge that you went from thinking you were the broke girl to being a financial coach, which is what you do now amongst other things. And we were kind of curious, like what does a financial coach do? Do and does everybody need one? Should everyone be working with one? Or is there a certain point in which you think you should start consulting with someone else on like, you know, getting towards your goals? For sure. So I love that question. And it's it's so important because there's again, there's so much confusion in the financial industry. And there's so many different roles. Like people are always asking me, like, who do I hire? Do I need a financial advisor? Do I need a financial coach? Do I need a CPA? Do I need a lawyer? Like what the heck, you know, what do I need? And oftentimes because people are so confused, there's such a barrier to entry that they're like, okay, I don't know where to start. I'll just wait. And then they wait and then they wait and then they wait. And so the biggest thing for me and what I do at Deeper the Money, so Deeper the Money is a financial literacy company. And so our goal is education in alignment with this coaching aspect. And so um, similar to what we're talking about a little bit ago. So um, for example, I have a program called Wealth Accelerator and it's a 12 week group coaching program. And so in that each week there's a new module. So it's like the financial literacy piece of like, what is the credit score? How do we increase your credit score without going into more debt or without getting you in a negative financial position? You know, maybe there's a one on like refinancing student loans and like all of these different topics. So there's like the educational piece and then there's the coaching side of it, right? So that's like the financial piece. And then the coaching side of it is, okay, now let's get on a call. How can we apply this to you, to your life? But one of the craziest things is that so much of the time, on the coaching aspect of it, 
we're coaching, you know, I'm coaching or my team is coaching on the like deeper than money side of things where it's like, you know, I'll have people come to the call and they'll say like, I feel so guilty for spending because I have debt and my fiance who I live with doesn't have debt. And so every time I order something, I hide my packages, I hide my packages and I feel so guilty about it. And then I lie about when I got it. And that's, that's not alignment, right? That's not like happiness. That's not. And so instead of saying like, just stop shopping, you know, like, that's not what I coach on. I coach on like, why do you feel like you have to hide that? Right. What do you believe to be true about yourself? And a lot of times it's like, well, I have debt and he doesn't, my partner doesn't. And so therefore I feel unworthy or like, I feel like I'm burdening. I'm a burden. I feel. And so that's what we're working through is like, okay, is this true? Are are these beliefs that you hold about yourself, something that you want to keep holding? Because again, we want to get to the root cause of, of why you're feeling this way, not just like fixing the problem, you know, whether it's, or, or like saving, right. I'll have a lot of clients who are like, okay, I have the money to pay off my credit card, but I literally cannot press pay it because I'm so scared to lose that money that's been sitting in my account and I don't want to put it towards my credit card. I want to hold on to it. So instead of saying, just do it, we'll talk about like, why do you feel that way? Right. When, you know, maybe for, for this client, again, I'm just making this up growing up, she didn't have a lot of money. And so her parents kind of taught her that like money always leaves and you, you know, you always have to like hold on really tightly or else it'll leave. And so she's so scared that this money will leave and never come back. And so we'll talk about those like root beliefs and understand and identify like what's going on there. So that then once we can identify that and work through that, then it makes going and paying the credit card off super easy, right? So it's not yeah. just like, here's what you need to do in doing it, but it's like the deeper side of, you know, what we believe to be true about money, the psychology about money, our childhood beliefs and all of those things wrapped into how we operate today as an adult with money. It's yeah. it's money therapy. It is. It's really it's money, money therapy. That's what I'm, I'm yeah. thinking the whole time. I'm like, this is money it's therapy. Money therapy. It is. It's money therapy. I love that. It's <laughs> going through all those like subconscious beliefs that you've picked up throughout your life and kind of rewriting them. And we've got so many misconceptions and like weird beliefs around money. What were some of your biggest misconceptions before you got into your financial journey? Oh my gosh. About money. How much time do we have? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so I have so many. A couple of a couple of my big ones that like took forever to really unlearn. One of the biggest ones was that you always want to spend as little as possible. That was like a big thing for me was anytime I spent like you know, let's say I bought something that wasn't on sale, I would feel bad about it. Or Mm. if I just did something, I don't even know, like I, I upgraded something or I did this, I would just be like, Oh, I could have, I could have spent less or I shouldn't have spent that much. That that was always a narrative because growing up, you know, I could remember my parents saying like, Oh, why would you, why would you spend money on that? Or like, I don't know why they would buy that. And, and all of this taught me like, okay, spend as little as possible, spend as little as possible. So spending was this huge sense of guilt for me, but I would still do it. Right. Cause I'm like, I want the dopamine hit. I'd like, (laughs) like drive straight to target, roll up and be like, let's feel good. Let's feel good. Right. Let's Target has a way of doing target. Right. You you don't need to like decide what you're going to get at target. Like she'll tell you. you. And so that was a big one was like, spend as little as possible. Another one was like, you should always be saving, always be saving, always be putting 10% 
into your bank account. And so, and it's a big one. I hear clients tell me all the time of like, well, yeah, but shouldn't I always be saving? And it's like, no, we save for something. If you are saving for a house, sure. Yeah. We should be saving. If you're saving for a car, if you're saving for a trip, if you're saving to build up your emergency fund or something like that, yeah, save for something. But once you have an emergency fund set. And then let's say you've saved for the car or whatever, and then you don't have something in particular you're saving for. We don't want to just keep throwing 10% of our paycheck or whatever into a savings account. That's when we want to start investing of saying, okay, I don't have anything I'm saving for. I'm going to start investing heavily. And then let's say a year from now, you're like, oh my gosh, you know what? I think in the next couple of years, I want to buy a house. So now we can decrease what we're investing start saving more, save up what we need, and then go back to investing. And I think that was a huge shift for me because I was just, you know, I grew up with parents that were like, you have to always like keep money, right? They would teach me like, keep money in a shoebox under your bed and like all this stuff. And I'd be <laughs> yes. like, okay, I have to hold on to money. Like I can't invest. I can't do this. And so that was a big one too. And also just the belief of, which I already talked about this a little bit earlier, but the belief of like, getting ahead, right? Like I couldn't even imagine this idea of having more than enough. I couldn't even imagine it because I was just taught over and over of like, you can work really hard, but like, you'll only just get by. That's Mm -hmm. just like it. That's how it is. That's like the middle-class lifestyle that I grew up with. So I just like always thought that. And so when I started imagining what if I always had more than enough? Like, what would that look like? And um, I talk about it a lot on my podcast. It, I call it the money thermostat, right? So if you think of like, like I have a, a little like nest thermostat where you can set it. So like the, if it gets too cold, the heat kicks on. And if it gets too hot, the air kicks on, right? That's what we have. We all have an internal money thermostat where if we dip below a certain point, right? I'm sure you could think of like, and everyone has this. Uh, you know, for me, when I was in college, it was like an overdraft fee. As soon as an overdraft fee hit, I was like, oh, I got to kick it into gear. Okay. Can't let that happen. I got to put more money in the account. That was like my minimum. But I also had a maximum where I I could, I could maybe get X amount in my bank account. But as soon as it went over, like I, I just would always get back in there. I would self-sabotage or I would overspend or I would do something because it that's where I was comfortable, right? Because our caveman brains want us to be comfortable. Yeah. They want the normal because they can predict it. It was so, I couldn't even imagine my bank account being higher, but I also couldn't imagine my bank account being lower. And so always working to shift that of like, I want to, let's say for me, again, the overdraft fee, like negative $35 was in my account. That was like my normal. I want to make it. So having a hundred dollars, I couldn't even imagine having less than a hundred dollars. And then I want to raise it to $500. I couldn't even imagine having less than $500. And so I kept working to raise what I would put up with, right. As my bottom line. And I also kept pushing forward of like what I could imagine in my bank account. I want to imagine more. I want to think of this number growing it or my investment accounts or whatever. Um, and I really, really focus on that through, you know, implementing these strategies or whatever. I love that you brought up the savings thing because yes. recently, so I bought a house in April and I saved for like five years to buy a house. And then since then, I haven't really been putting money in my savings. And I just recently was like, Corinne, what are we doing? Like we've left the savings account, we've dropped the ball. And then you're like, yeah, well, you just 
you just save you for the house. It, right. So like, you know, and I don't have a, a huge financial, I bought my first car two years ago. So it's like, I've hit a few financial milestones. So I don't feel as motivated to save because I'm not really saving for anything. Right. I mean, I have um, an emergency fund. I have all of that. So I'm like, so I feel a little less guilt now that I haven't. Well, I should be investing more though. I can be doing that. But yeah, I literally like two days ago, I was like, Corinne, let's like go through and save some money here. Well, yeah. But then also it's like if it's just sitting in your in your savings account, it's not getting any interest or anything like that. So yeah. it is. I think the savings account thing is such a big thing for even me too. Like one of my little core beliefs growing up was that you should never take out of the savings account. Mm. Never take money out of it. Oh, yeah. So then there would be times when I, I needed money and I'm like, I take it out of my savings. And I'm like, oh, my God, like I'm a failure. But it's yeah. like, it's like yeah. this is why I have it, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's no, here for this is, reason. That is such a perfect example. I will have clients who they finally build up their emergency fund and then they'll they'll message in, in our like group and say, uh, well, like, I just feel like such a screw up, like my car broke down, so I have to take money out of my emergency fund. And I'm like, that's what it's <laughs> there for. Like, yeah. This is a win. We need to celebrate this of like, oh, I feel so good when an emergency comes up and it's an inconvenience and like, I can just live my life and no worries. Like we want to celebrate that. But people, just like you were saying, if you were taught, like you never touch savings, right? You have that voice. And so what I like to tell my clients is that the first voice you hear is likely not yours, right? The first voice you hear on money, that like judgment voice of like, I shouldn't be spending this, or that's probably not your voice. That's probably the voice of a parental role or someone, you know, some person of influence as a child telling you what you should or shouldn't do. And it's like, that's one of my big goals is to make it so women feel so women. I mean, everyone, but women especially feel so empowered of like, I get to make these decisions. I get to take money out of the emergency fund if I need to, or I get to spend this. I get to, to do this, or I get to change my mind. That's one of the biggest things I get to change my mind. I tell my clients this all the time because so many people, and especially in the financial industry, were taught like, set a budget. And if you don't stick to it, you suck and you're not good for money. And it's like, no, if you decide here's, you know, I don't even like to call it a budget. I call it a spend plan and I set it up a little differently, but you basically plan out your spending, plan what you want to spend. And then if halfway through the month, uh, you know, one of your friends talks to you and says, Hey, let's do a week girls. We can get away. And you decide, yeah, I want to do that. You're allowed to say, you know what? I originally hadn't allocated money for this and now I'm going to. Yeah. Because it's a priority. Like you're allowed. That's a that's a win. We want to celebrate that. We want to celebrate our money going to places that are in pure alignment with us. We want to celebrate when we change our minds and then we have finances to support that. Like those are wins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huge wins. And it's like so often we're just taught like if I didn't follow through with the plan, then I suck. And it's like, that's so wild, right? Like sticking to a budget isn't the goal and it shouldn't be. Yeah. Right? And it's just like it's shifting the mindset from like there is so much fear around our finances and this negative association with money to like like you were saying this like celebratory positive like celebrating all of our wins and things that used to be losses or now wins and kind of like reframing but I know a big fear for people is even like 
looking at their finance. Like you can't even like look Open at it. Open the bank account. There, you know, there's those times <laughs> like I, I'm not going to even look. I can't even look. So I, I'm curious, like what is the best way for us to calculate where we are financially so that we can start to implement changes in our lives if we're kind of don't know where we're at because we haven't checked in a while? <laughs> for sure, for sure. So one of the big things is really taking the shame out, right? If you're like, oh my gosh, right, I got to check it. What is coming up for you? Like, what are the reasons you don't want to check it? Likely it's because you want to ignore it because it will mean something about you. If I look at this, it will tell me I suck. If I look at this, it will tell me that I've wasted money. If I look at this, it will tell me that I have debt and therefore I'm, you know, like I'm behind. It will tell me, like, it will tell me all of these things. And so instead of just saying like, oh, just look at it, right? We need to understand what my bank account says does not, that's not who I am. That's Mm. not right. It it will give me information, but that information means nothing about me and anything like more than that. It's just feedback of like, Oh, okay, cool. This is where my money went. This is this, this is this, this is this. And one of the pieces of encouragement that I like to give, well, two things. The first one is that a lot of the times the fear comes from this narrative of like, I'm behind. Yeah. I'm behind. And it's easy, right? Like, especially with social media, it gives the illusion that like, we know everyone's lives. We're like, oh, she drives a Tesla. Like she's doing so well off or like, she's going these trips. Like she's so wealthy or like, she must make a ton of money because she has this job. And we make up these assumptions when really we have no idea. They could be in a massive credit card debt. They could be, they could have like been given an inheritance. They, like, you have no idea. And you can't compare results if you can't compare resources. Right. And it's like, none of those things are like good or bad or whatever. It's just that we look at our bank account and then, and then look at other people's social media and say like, I I'm behind, or maybe we're behind our our parents' expectations or we're behind our own expectations. Right. Like I just found this like time capsule thing from like second grade or third grade or something. And it was like, where will I be when I'm 20? And it was like married with a house and 12 kids. And, and I'm like, what? I was like, <laughs> you know, and it's like, we have these, our own expectations and it's like, it's okay. Like wherever you're at, it's, it's fine. And it's perfect. And, and you can always get ahead. And then the second thing is if you open your bank account and you're mad about it, I want it to be a line in the sand of like, I, I see this and it will never be like this again. If I want to change it, it starts today. Like this is, if I hate looking at my bank account today, I'm going to look at it and know that this is the last day I'll feel this way. Mm, this yeah. is the last time I'll feel this way. This is, I'm, I'm breaking the cycle. I'm, you know, one of the things I talk about a lot is it ran in my family until it ran into me, right? Like these cycles of whatever it is. And, and that doesn't that. really need to be like financial status. It could be just like, a belief, right. That was passed down of like, you don't do this or you do this, or you feel bad about this. Right. And it's like that ran in my family until, until it ran into me and like, it stops here. And so it can be like, a okay, you know what? Yeah. I'm mad. I look at my bank account. I'm mad and I'm frustrated and I'm upset and I feel a little discouraged, but like, I'm going to use this to create a life and a reality where I look at my bank account and I'm proud. And so then it becomes, what do I need to do to get there? I know where I'm at. What do I need to do to get there? Right. Yeah. It's making that commitment to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. 
Speaking of commitments, and I know we're, we're running out of time, so uh, I think we're just going to kind of get into a little bit of what you're offering now because it is top of 2022. Yes. And people, they make the commitments to themselves or the resolutions, and you actually have a course that's going to be about making 2022 your financial year. So how do we start to make financial goals that are actually realistic and achievable? So the big thing is knowing where am I at right now, right? Because a lot of people, what they'll do is they'll say like, oh, well, I I think I normally spend about like $200 on shopping. So I want to spend only $100 and then I'll have another $100 to put towards something else. But in reality, they're spending like $700 a month, right? And so then they go into next month and they're like, wait, how am I only supposed to spend a hundred? And it's so restrictive. And so I tell my clients, figure out where you spend your money with no shame, right? There's no like, I suck. I can't believe I did this. It's just like, where am I at? Right. Where am I at? Figuring out how much you spend in, in your different categories and then saying, okay, cool. How do I want to spend going forward? I do not recommend making dramatic shifts. I don't care if you spend a thousand dollars on Uber eats last month. Don't say I'm going to spend $50, right? Because that will lead to burnout. And I care way more about sustainability. I want you to be in a way better place 12 months from now, 12 years from now, rather than like, it's like a fad diet, right? Like, oh, I'm going to drink like, you know, juice for 12 days and lose 10 pounds. And it's like, okay, yeah, but what about in three months, right? Like it's like, right. Or it's like that resolution trap where people go to the gym every day for one month and they're like, yeah, no, I'm not going to do this. Yeah, it's not sustainable. (laughs) So it's like, I don't, I don't really care if you have a win in one week. I care about your win, you know, down the road. And so Anyway, yeah. A big thing that I recommend focusing on is just like the sustainability aspect of it, understanding what you're spending and then setting big goals. Like, you know, Corinne, like you were saying when it's like, I just feel like I'm not like putting money away. It's like set a crazy goal. Like I I do that all the time. Like when I'm setting, you know, like right now I'm planning what my financial goals are for 2022. And they're, they're wild. Like they're, they're so wild. Like, wait, we were going to ask you if you didn't mind sharing, do you have a financial goal for 2022? I do. And they're, they're kind of crazy. And so if you guys are like, that's so crazy. I just want you to know why also I'm like, that's kind of crazy. No, we Uh, love things. We love big dreams. I had a huge, huge goal for 2021 and I essentially hit it and it was insane. So. Okay, cool. (laughs) I want to know all about your guys' goal too. Okay. So. I have two really big financial goals for 2022. The first one is to invest $200,000. That's like my top goal. Okay. My goal is to buy a rental property in some capacity. And I'm still deciding if I want to do like where I want to do it and all the, you know, and if I want to like how involved I want to be. And I'm still like figuring out that. And so I'm not making moves on that until I'm like really clear on it, but those are my two like huge financial goals for production. I don't think those are crazy. I think those Those are are brilliant. Yeah. There, I've been thinking about rental properties too. Um, after like I've bought my home now. Yeah. No, those are incredible. We talk about passive income all the time. We're like, we gotta figure out passive income. (laughs) Right? Yes. Totally. And it's it's so fun. And You know, one of the, one of the fun things, like, I know we haven't talked about this a ton, but like, one of the things I'm also really passionate about is just talking about money transparently. Like I am like super open with, I talk openly about like my salary and my income and what my business does and revenue and 
what my goal, like all of those things. I talk super openly and, and it's so funny because it like on the internet, it drives people crazy. People message me like, do not share this. I'm like, why are you so pressed? Like, why are you so pressed? Yeah. I'm like, just telling you this, right? Do less. Um, people get so mad, but it's like, you learn so much of like, there's so many times where I'm around people and they're like, these are my goals. And I'm like, I need to set bigger goals. I need to like do this. I need to set this, you know, like, And so if you're someone and you're like, oh my gosh, like, I don't even feel like I have a money goal, like bring it up at like, you have a girl's brunch, like bring it up and be like, what are you guys' goals next year? What are your financial goals? Like, what are you, I love talking about it. And it's so fun when you're transparent about money, especially with the people who you spend time with, because now like in my friendship circle, talking about money is so just normalized now that you know, we have a couple trips that we're planning this year and people will be like, Hey, I can only go if like X amount is the budget for the trip. And it's like, awesome. And we're very transparent and very encouraging of each other's goals. And it's just, it's so fun. So I love that. Question. Yeah. And you're breaking the cycle, like from talking about the top when it was like, you originally yeah. thought you can't talk about money. Yeah. It's like, it's one of the like big taboo things, money, politics, religion. Da, da, yeah. And it's just like, no, we can talk about money. We can talk about our goals. We can talk about how much we're making. We can do all of these things. And it only empowers us more and uplifts other people more because it gives them, you know, you brought up the rental property thing. I've been thinking about it. And I'm like, hmm, now maybe that's something maybe I should be actually considering even more in 2022 now. So thank you for sharing that with us. And thank you for sharing your time. Literally, we have like a thousand more questions for you, but we don't have enough time with you. We have to um, bring you back. No, you yeah. guys asked me one thing. I'm like, you give me an inch, I'll take a mile. <laughs> <laughs> no, and but no, you're so, so great. And thank you for what you're doing in the financial literacy space, especially for women. I, yeah. I feel like for decades, we haven't had access to this information, you know, Readily, in a relatable way. In a, in, a, in a relatable way. And you're doing the work. So thank you so yes. much. And we're going to have you back on because we have yeah. about 6 million yes. more questions for you. <laughs> oh, and we're also signing up for your one of your courses. Oh, yeah. We're going to do your course. We were on your website and there were so many. And we were like, we're okay, like, we're okay, going to take that one, one. And then we're going to have to take that one, one. And then we're going to have to take that one. <laughs> we, we love a course. We love, we love, love, love a course. It. Yeah. Same. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. Of course. Oh, of course. Well, have a great 2022. Thank you, guys. <laughs> I love Chloe. I would like to sp- – I wish we could interview her for two more hours. I No, seriously. That's what I'm saying. Like, I have so many more questions for her yeah. because, like, she has a wealth of knowledge and she's just, like, so A fun. wealth of knowledge. Yes. <laughs> See what you did so there? so many meanings here. I looked at the clock and I was like, damn it. Like – I, I, we could keep going and going and going. I know. And again, I just love what she's doing in the financial literacy space and educating people. Yeah. Knowledge is power. Yes. And we, we, that's why we started the podcast. Literally, exactly why. Just to ask these questions, to get these answers from these experts. She is an expert. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. So we hope you guys learned more about money mindsets, some tangible ways to have a better relationship with your money, and how you too can create goals for yourself that lead to financial freedom. And we yes. will link to all of Chloe's, everything socials. that she's doing, all her socials in our show notes. If you guys want to connect with her, sign up for one of those courses. Natalie and <gasps> I will course with us. probably be in it. 100% will be <laughs> in it. And yeah. We will link it in the show notes. So, Nat, should we circle back on this wine that we are drinking? Yes. What about our hottie? You want to introduce her or should I? Oh, 
I'll introduce her. Okay. Our hottie of the week and our first hottie of 2022 oh is Miss Serena Williams. Yes. One, Natalie and I did see King Richard together, which is amazing. And it, you guys, it was so good. You guys should definitely, definitely see that if you haven't seen it yet. It's on HBO Max. We're not paid to, to say this no. uh, at all. <laughs> but we picked Serena Williams because she founded Serena Ventures to invest in early stage companies and young founders. And there are over 50. 50 companies in her portfolio, including some innovative future tech giants. So she's really investing her money well. Yes, yes. This woman is doesn't need to, but but she's doing it anyway. But this and, is how she's making more and more and more. She's, and she's, she's also smart with it. Cycling it and giving to, yes. you know, these young startups. Yes. And here's my theory. Everybody, listen up right now. If you are a woman listening to this, remember that. Money in a woman's hands does so much more for the entire world than in anybody else's hands. I know. You always say that, too. That is really, like, your your quote. And I agree with you. Particularly black women. Yeah. I believe that if we get money in the hands of women, and particularly women of color, the world would be a much better place. I agree So make that money, girls, (laughs) because the world will be better for it. Because we do things like this. We do things like Serena has done. Yes. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So one, two, Miss Serena Williams. Yes. What are we rating the Casa Castillo? Whatever El this Molar. Is. Casa Castillo El Molar. Um, let me let me take a sip here. It just sort of is. That you're right. It's just like huh. it just is. It just exists. It's not bad. It's not great. Just very middle of the road. I'd give it a six. I was going to say six. Okay. Six out of Serena. Six out of Serena for the Casa Castillo. We'll link it in the show notes if you want to try it. Yeah. And let us know what you think. Yeah. Okay. This is the part of the episode where we play a little wrap-up game. And this is our first one of the new year. (gasps) And we're talking recent Recent obsessions. Things that we're obsessed with. Yeah. As of recently. Yes. Um, Do you want to go first? Well, we kind of addressed it in a previous episode, but you talked about it today, and I do think I should talk about it, which is Housewives. Oh, okay. I will say that is a recent. I I am not someone who would watch Housewives. Yes. Like, I'm just, I've never been into right. it. I'm not like, I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. But our friends, Taylor and Connor, I will shout them out on the podcast, were like, Corinne, you have to watch Salt Lake City. And I said, Okay, fine. I'll, I'll right. get into it. Fine. This show is absolutely <laughs> insane. It is insane. And I've like read lists of like what are the best housewives franchises to watch, and this is the mm-hmm. top one. Because really? it is the women one of the women is married to their grandfather. Oh my god. Okay, yes. Yeah. Yeah. One of the mm-hmm. women is married to their grandfather. Yes. And you just find out more and more crazy shit about that mm-hmm. later on. And then like one of the women got arrested live on air, which was insane. And then just like I can't I look forward to it every week. Oh, so you're you're watching it as it comes oh, now? out? Oh yeah, now I'm caught up. It's oh, only two. Okay. It's only two seasons. So if you've never seen it, you, you're not behind that yeah. much. You just watch the first season, watch the second season. Um, it's like currently airing the second season, and it's beyond insanity. Does it come out on Hulu like the next day or whatever? Or are you watching it on like cable? No, I watch it on the NBC app. Oh, the okay. next day. Okay, okay. <laughs> it comes out every Sunday, and I watch it Monday on the NBC app. 
So we're actually going on a trip in a few weeks to Salt Lake City. And it's basically because of this show. It's our friend's, Taylor, the same one that she had just said. Yeah. It's her birthday. And so we're doing like a whole Housewives of Salt Lake City trip. Yeah, we are going to monuments from the show. Bars, places where they had arguments. Very iconic locations. For Salt Lake City. So I've been telling the gang, I'm like, okay, I'm going to start watching it. Like, I I have to start watching it. It's just what you watched the first. I started last night. So I watched the first one and a half episodes. And yeah, yeah, there are some wild things happening already. This one man's hair, I cannot get over. (laughs) The fact that that woman is married to her grandpa. It, yeah. Is another thing that I'm just like, what in the f- It technically what is, is her s- step-grandfather, but it's, it's weird. It's still weird. Oh, it's weird. It's just <laughs> so weird. I'm like trying to think of like... I can't... I don't want to ruin things <sighs> for you, so I guess I can't... It would be like if Luca married my dad. Yeah. Yeah. It would be like that. <laughs> which is her... What? Like... Nephew, Luca but like is my nephew, but, but like step nephew. Yes. So not biologically. So yes, yeah, it's the same thing. That is so weird. It's very weird. Is that even legal? I'm, I guess. No, so. no, 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 no. Yeah, it would. Be well, you like know, that. Utah, I think, has different rules. It probably isn't, honestly. But anyways, <sighs> if you guys need to start something super, super, super trashy, highly recommend uh, Housewives of Salt Lake City. <laughs> Salt Lake City. Shit is wild. It's pretty wild. My recent obsession, I started obsessing over this maybe like six weeks ago, month and a half ago. I truly get so much joy every single time. And that is Mick Jagger's Instagram. Oh, yeah. You are obsessed with it. <laughs> Mick Jagger's Instagram. I started noticing a pattern, which is that every time he would post, it would just be a series of him standing in front of random things. <laughs> and like he was on tour and he was like doing these different stops. So it'd be different cities, but like him standing in front of a building, him standing in front of a tree, him <laughs> standing in front of an aquarium, like just random things. <laughs> and I can't get enough. I can't get enough. It's so funny to me. I know. Yeah, I feel like every time he posts, you repost it on your story. I do. I do. You're because like, we got another one, folks. <laughs> yes. I'm like, give us the standing content. <laughs> and then one time he threw a real curveball at me, and he had one where he was sitting. It was like, stand, 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 sit, stand, stand. And I was like, oh, he's caught on. I'm to like, the fact. is this Morse code? <laughs> I know. I'm like, mm. and then I'm, I'm like, did he catch on to the fact that we all are realizing that his content is exclusively standing? And he was like, ooh, I'm going to switch it up. Maybe. Let me tell you, it's a blast. And I think everybody should go take a look. <laughs> In our newsletter this week, we will include. Yes. Mick Jagger standing. We will include Mick Jagger standing. So if you guys want to sign up on our website, ambidoingthisrapepod.com, you will get yeah, to see that. You'll get to see it. And you're going to love it. for you. Yes. Exactly. Well, that is our first episode. <sighs> I'm so proud loved of us. It, we didn't it, miss one it. last year, and I don't think we're going to miss one this year, you know, guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't forget to rate and review our podcast. It really helps us grow, and we'd love for you guys to be our first review of the new year. <gasps> yes. Exciting. And share with your friends. And share with your friends. Everybody, because everybody needs to have this info. Yes, they do. Um, okay, well, we'll be back next week with another episode, and we love you guys. Love you. Bye.